severed from the podcasting arm of Eternally Bored Productions, crawling into RSS feeds everywhere, this is Sheebie-Jeebies, the horror show by fans, for fans, and about fans with your handsome host, Sam Carlson. Welcome to another episode, everybody. I don't know if I dropped the hint enough, but today we're going to be covering 1981's The Hand with Michael Kine. And today our guest is my good friend and local artist, John DeLeon. So, John, why did you... Well, I'm not going to say why, because I actually I, I actually strong-armed you into doing this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, how did you first come about this movie? So, uh, I actually broke my wrist about a year and a half ago. And I'm an artist. I'm a local artist. I uh, do a lot of painting and stuff. And when I broke my wrist, um, a friend of mine uh, kind of implored me to watch this movie, The Hand. And I had no idea why. I just knew that it was a movie about a hand. I mean, it's called The Hand. And uh, after watching it, I see that um, it's about an artist who lost his hand. And I uh, broke my right wrist, which is the wrist, the hand that I used to paint with. So this movie was scary for me on a whole different level. Uh, just, I mean, the movie itself, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, but the fact that, uh, uh, that he was an artist that uh, lost his right hand, that kind of terrified me on a totally different level than probably most people would. So how did you break your wrist? I was in a mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you got the, you had uh, surgery on it and you had the gnarliest scar. Do you still have the scar? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, of course you would. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We'll have to get a picture of that. <laughs> it's still got a metal plate in here too. Nice. Have you set off any... Like no, they, uh, metal detectors, not metal detectors. Nobody's, you're not sitting on a beach and people aren't running their metal detector over you. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 uh, um, no alarms have been set off or anything. They use like a non-ferric metal so that way it doesn't set off any of your alarms. Oh, okay. Kind of sucks. Well, was that a problem? Because you had to go to New York recently, right? For I went to New York recently. They, um, I mean, there was no problem with it. Um, they just had me take off my belt. You know, the usual shit. They didn't use it. Uh, they didn't tell me uh, anything about my wrist, about my metal plate. And I'm pretty sure that they saw it because they x-rayed my whole body up and down and everything. But I'm pretty sure they saw it. It's a bomb in your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, they didn't give me any, any fuss about it. So it was cool. Did they pat you down? Um, well, they... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that wasn't me because every like the last few times I've flown, I'm always getting patted down, and I'm just wearing like yoga pants and a t-shirt, <laughs> and I have no no metal on me whatsoever. So I'm nice. just kind of like they made me take off my belt. That's about it. Yeah, that's why I don't. I try not to wear belts or anything yeah. complicated at the airport because why? <laughs> um, did you always like horror movies? I've always loved horror movies. Um, I actually like. I, I like the. Different kind of horror movie than most people do. Um, I know the the movies that make you they have a lot of jump scares are pretty popular. Um, I like the movies that kind of make you think and feel kind of like something that kind of transcends the the screen and gets you in real life situations. Mm. Um, like Amityville Horror, you know, when you start seeing those oh, yeah. flies coming out everywhere, and yeah, it's it's something that you might see in real life that will kind of trigger memory of the movie and makes you think, man, it's creepy beyond the movie itself. Yeah, and I mean, I can see where the where the hand would resonate with you for that, too. I mean, that's oh, a, yeah. such that's, a, cl a situation so close to home. Man, that freaked the fuck out of me. Yeah. Uh, what was the scariest part of it for you? Um, really, the scariest part was... I remember there was a scene where he was trying to trying to draw again with his left hand. 
And that's something that I actually did. <laughs> that's right. I remember that. That's, yeah. You yeah. had to learn how to paint with your left hand. Yeah. 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 I did uh, about four or five, like three or four paintings, four or five paintings uh, with my left hand. Um, and I kind of had to learn to do it all over again. And it was like that, that scene resonated with me. And I know my, uh, my, uh, studio partner, Scott, he was always telling me, um, during the whole time, it's like, you don't know if your hand is going to heal the same. Uh, <laughs> and he wasn't, thanks he, Mogi. Yeah. He wasn't helping at all, but the, uh, uh it freaked it freaked the the hell out of me just because of the fact that you know my right wrist was broken. It's like I don't know if I'm going to have the same dexterity or anything like that. Um, and uh, so I I learned how to paint with left handed. I can't draw left handed for shit, but I can still paint. Yeah, that's the important thing. Yeah. And you know, if you guys haven't seen the movie, basically, as I mentioned before, uh, Michael Caine. He, sorry, I didn't say it right. Michael Caine. <laughs> He's a comic, well, he's a comic strip artist, so it's a little bit different from, you know, from your medium, uh, but it's, you know, obviously it's his lifeline. He has to be able to draw, and he loses his hand in this accident, which is crazy. It's very reminiscent of the scene in Hereditary, which came out earlier this year. Did, did you see it? I haven't seen it yet, no. Okay, well, so basically in Hereditary, this little girl is sticking her head out the window because she's in anaphylactic shock, and she gets decapitated by a telephone pole. Wow. And it's like, wham, it's great. So it's, <laughs> it's similar in the hand, Except it's like his wife gets like too close to this truck and it takes it off the same way. And that was it. <laughs> the bloody stump is just like squirting, squirting fake blood like terrible, <laughs> it's amazing. man. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I think. Uh, but, you know, the you know, if it was made today, we wouldn't have really gotten to see him like bleeding all over the side of the road. I don't think. I think they kind of did that for fun. I think that scene was mostly yeah. done for fun. Uh, you, you know, his wrist squirting out blood in her. Uh, just like, the overacting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's just have some fun amazing. with this scene. Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, so John Lansdale, Michael Caine's character, has to get used to the, his entire life changing, and it doesn't help that his marriage is already crumbling. Yeah. His wife has got something going on with, like, the yoga teacher, who's also uh, studying psychology, which is weird, because there's another slight against somebody who has a... Oh, it's uh, one of the, uh, the the teachers later on when uh, John goes to teach college, and because he can't fucking draw anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He meets another meets an, like a, yeah, psychology yeah. teacher, and it's sort of, you know... Uh, I never made that connection. That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I just saw it last night, and, you know, it was... Uh, very, it was interesting. I was like, oh, these, all these slights against psychology. It's, well, I mean, the, uh, I lo- the movie the movie has a ton of foreshadowing. It's like almost seventy five percent of the movie is like foreshadowing what's happening in the story. And the, like the climax happens, it's like the the all the action happens in the last thirty minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like everything else is just foreshadowing up to that point. It's kind of like everything's building up, building up slowly and slowly. And it's all, it's all psychological. It's all building up to that one point where everything just kind of falls apart for him. Yeah, and um, written and directed by Oliver Stone, by the way, which was yeah. I was like that Oliver Stone. <laughs> <laughs> but there, it was based on a novel called The Lizard's Tale by somebody named Mark Brandell, and I couldn't find really any information on the original book, which is you know crazy. I could have yeah. bought it on Amazon or something, but I don't have time to read 286 pages <laughs> two hours before I have to do a podcast. <laughs> Excuse me. My bad, guys. <laughs> yeah, so. no, no, it's an, an interesting connection because at the very beginning of the movie, uh, his daughter Lizzie is actually poking at a lizard tail with a with a stick. And mm-hmm. It's like a severed lizard tail. It's supposed to, you know, it's supposed to attract predators to the tail rather than to the uh, actual lizard itself. 
and she mentions it looks like it's acting on its own and, you know it's so it's kind of it's kind of foreshadowing what the the whole movie about what like what his hand is doing because it's almost hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. But, you know, also something that I was thinking of, that lizard tail was huge. Yeah, it was. It didn't look like a regular lizard it tail. It was, that was a big fucking animatronic. It was like, <laughs> what is that, a Komodo dragon tail? Right. Dude. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's interesting because the it hits you over the head with like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a lot of nuance because, um, you know, he loses his hand and they can't find the hand. And then we'll have these black and white sequences interspersed here and there where the hand goes and strangles somebody that uh, John hates. Yeah. Which I don't think it really got it. Like, it didn't get enough to do. I mean, he doesn't hate that many people. He hates this bum. Yeah. That got th- this random bum that got strangled. That's uh, the very first one, right? That's the first time that we're, that the black and white sequence comes in? Yeah. Uh, did I'm trying to remember if that came... After his meeting with uh, the editor and then the guy who was supposed to take oh, yeah. over from him. He was fucking pissed. Okay. <laughs> he, was, okay. he was pretty pissed off about that. Now that makes sense, because I was wondering why the hand didn't go after them. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's it's That's that's an interesting question. Like, why didn't he just, like, wait outside the parking lot and, and just, like, well, kind of, like, target them rather than targeting this innocent bum? But well, I guess I guess Oliver Stone really wanted to. Well, that's Oliver Stone is the bum, so maybe he just wanted to like get his acting chops in. <laughs> he just wanted to have his cameo. Yeah, in his but, own movie that he wrote and directed. I mean, but it makes sense. It makes sense. It's like the like kind of the the reason the how how my whole wrist breaking came about. I was, I was pretty pissed off about a situation. I was in the right state of mind, and it it was all about like taking my anger in the wrong in the wrong place, being mm-hmm. in the wrong place at the wrong state of mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, this bum, he comes out, he comes up to him, and he's like starts yelling profanities at him. Tells him, "You think that uh, that you're better than me just because you have a hand and all this shit?" And you know, it kind of like leads into it. it it's it's like a it's it's like he pokes at him. He pokes at his at, at soft yeah. spots. Yeah, and especially that meeting. Uh, you know, I think Michael Caine's the only person I recognized from the cast list, except for the guy David Maddow, who also John doesn't keeps calling him Maddox. Yeah. He also calls like uh, Bill Richmond, the yoga teacher, Rickman. So, <laughs> I mean, I know Michael Caine only did the movie because he had to. Like, he was like, he only did the movie because he needed to pay for a new garage or whatever. <laughs> no, really, uh, <laughs> IMDb, it's it's on there, so it must be true. <laughs> so the guy that plays uh, David Maddow, who is supposed to take over his comic strip Mandro, now that um, John can't draw anymore. Oh wow, your name's John too. Yeah, it is. I just made that connection. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's no wonder you, no wonder you relate so hard to this movie. It fucked me up on a psychological level. <laughs> oh shit. It's, yeah, no, it's not just it's not just a fucked up movie. It it really tore me up. Oh god. Wow, yeah. I feel really bad because I was just thinking, <laughs> I was just, you know, because his name's John, he spells it J-O-N, and you have an H in yours, so I didn't yeah. even make the connection. <laughs> I'm way on top of my game. Uh, anyway, back to what I was saying. So the guy that plays Maddow is Charles Fleischer, who does a very famous voice for cartoon character. Mm. Do you want to guess? I can't. I wouldn't be able to. It was a movie that had Bob Hoskins in it, live action and animation. Toontown. Toontown? Are you talking about uh oh fuck, I can't remember the name of the movie. He's voice of Roger Rabbit, man. Yeah. Uh, Every time I see Charles Fleischer in something, even you know, just that's, acting that's as a Maddox, human. That's uh, Yes, wow. that's Roger Rabbit. 
it, dude. That's insane. I, like, he looks familiar. He looks like an old cartoonist. And I always thought that they used him because he he's like an old cartoonist. He he has a face of uh, one of the old uh, caricature, the, the old cartoons from, you know, back in the 70s and stuff. Oh, yeah. 80s. He's got the Jufro going on for sure, too. Yeah. It's gorgeous. You just want to, like, <laughs> run your hands through it. And, um, yeah, he was in Nightmare on Elm Street, played the Dream Doctor. Mm. So weird. So, but yeah, I mean, like after, you know, and during that meeting is uh, something that I was also thinking of too. It's like uh, the reason that uh, John doesn't want Maddow to take over that strip, even though, I mean, essentially John would still be doing all the continuity and the story outlines. It would just be Maddow doing the illustrations is because what Maddow brought was this thing about uh his main character Mandro looking inside himself. And well, there's like, this whole, there's this whole, there's this whole uh, uh, theory that I kind of. Um, um, so if you look at if you look at John himself, he's a very he's a man's man, especially for the eighties. He has a lot of machismo. He's all like you see him uh, uh, cutting, uh, chopping up uh, wood, firewood, and shit like that in the beginning. It's all in the outdoors and everything. And then you see uh, his wife uh, kind of like falling for a dude who's all new age yoga and all this other shit. True. And then uh, for his uh, in, during his career, um, there's this new artist kid, this young kid who wants to bring in all this introspective shit, all this new age shit. That you know for him he's like. He, he's an older an older guy he's more about um like a man is a man man doesn't wear makeup and doesn't give a fuck how he looks or whatever it's like he's just he is who he is you know very much he's more type of stuff and uh and he's uh, uh and this new kid is trying to bring in um, um david maddox i think is his name right and uh maddow maddow <laughs> you just called him maddox just called oh him maddox. my god <laughs> <laughs> the uh uh Okay, John Lansdale. All right. <laughs> so John DeLeonsdale. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> but but yeah, he's like like it's all it's all kind of like his entire world is like being flipped on its head, and I think it's something kind of like um, kind of what, what was happening during that time too, because a lot of a lot of uh, uh, new age stuff was coming about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has, it, I feel like it has commentary beyond the movie itself, beyond. Um, um, you know the uh, the 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 fact that he lost his hand beyond the fact that he was an artist who can no longer draw. It has commentary about the fact that uh, uh, you know there was all this uh, um, new forms of thinking that were coming about that the old that the old guard wasn't aligned with. Absolutely, and yeah. that that was kind of part of it. And so the I, I think like one of the one of the biggest points of the movie is that uh, um, yeah the times are changing, but you could either adapt or or you can die out like a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And you know he 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 stuck to his guns. He kind of like uh, uh, he never adapted to newer situations. He never changed along with everything that was happening around him. So um, it was kind of a tragedy of um, him being presented with opportunities. So he had many opportunities to to change. Even the the bar. I made that that uh, uh, that connection. The the right before he made the final two murders. Mm-hmm. Um, without, I hope I'm not giving out any. No, spoilers, no, no. This is a podcast that's meant to spoil movies. Okay, so um, he he went to he goes to the Last Chance Saloon. I, th- I think it was pretty. It's pretty oh, telling. I that didn't it's get called. that either. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling that he goes to the Last Chance Saloon, and this is where this is where he he kills that other teacher. This is where uh, I don't know. Did he did he murder um, that student that girl beforehand? Yes. Uh, it was like the night before, wasn't it? I think so, because what it was is, you know, 
after like this, you know, he's he for you know we have this movie starting in Vermont, then it goes to New York, and then he moves out to California to teach because that whole thing with Maddow didn't went sour. Yeah. So he goes out to teach. I guess it's a community college. That's what it seems like to me. Like somewhere out in the California countryside or some shit. Yeah. Whatever. And yeah. you know, so there's this hot coed in his class named Stella, who. She was a friend of Gina Davis and Beetlejuice. That was pretty much all I could find on her. <laughs> so, whatever. Uh, and uh, so she starts up an affair with him. Like, actually goes to his door and basically is just like, hey, you got a beer? <laughs> hey, I'm yeah. old-fashioned. I like to do it on the bed. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that was like, there's, there's no... I don't know. It's like, I can't see that shit happening today. Mm, I'm sure it probably still does. I mean, like, I never had any inclination to fuck any of my college professors. <laughs> Mostly because, like, it was, there were women. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty, it, it was kind of hardcore. <laughs> it was like, yeah. yeah, let's do this. I know why I'm here. You know why I'm here. Let's yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets right down to business, even though yeah. he's got, like, Gene Wilder hair, like Willy yeah. Wonka hair, dude. I was like, yeah. oh, my goodness. That hair is terrible. <laughs> and she seems to like really, you know, they never get to it. But when they're showing the sex scenes, you know, she's really into his prosthetic oh, man, hand. That was fucking weird. What and it looks, it? dude, it's just got like a black glove on it like he's OJ or something. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's like she's like, she kind of wants to be strangled yeah. or choked a little bit. Right. So... But we never get there, at least that we can see. Yeah. yeah but the reason he kills her is uh, because... She's also she's also sleeping with uh, Brian. Well, she hadn't slept site. with him yet. See, I, oh, I, he she's gonna go with him to L.A. Right? Yeah, she was complaining about him always like hitting on her and shit. And it's like I kind of feel that maybe he was like holding out on her grades. Oh, maybe. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he's like just trying to get it. You know? Yeah, I'll yeah. give you an A if you sleep with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he's a psychology teacher, so that's what she's going for, you know? Uh-huh. And then, you know, again, there's that whole thing about uh, John's, his distaste of, again, kind of the touchy feeliness, the whole looking inside, you know, it's like men don't have emotions, men don't feel, right. you know? So he has, again, that whole thing against psychology in general, so that's another thing that's motivating him. Yeah. Um, but another, th you know, there's all this repressed or suppressed anger, I guess you would call it, because he is an angry person. He's not, he doesn't keep it all inside. We see him get angry at his wife plenty of times. We yeah. see him get angry right before the car accident when he calls that one woman a silly oh, cow man. on the road. There's no, there's no instance where he's actually like being sweet or nice to, to his wife at all or anybody really. Mm -mm. He's just a, he's just a miserable person the whole time. Well, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of the, the whole ideal. Um, it's like the cold war idea of what a man is supposed to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a, uh, I think it's after like everybody got, kind of got over to cold, all the cold war bullshit that the, uh, everybody started trying to, uh, you know, be all introspective and kind of like try to grow and like, well, who am I as a human being? It's like before then, it's like men had to be providers, men had to be, uh, um, like they had to kill to survive mm -hmm. and shit like that. So, uh, this was like the person, the, the identity that he was personifying. That's true. And so, like, after, afterwards, being confronted with all this New Age bullshit, and it's like, you call that being a man? You know, it's it very much, um, uh, I think during that time, especially around the 80s, uh, because the Cold War was still happening when this movie came about, wasn't it? 80, I don't know history. 
<laughs> so it was all it was all kind of like the 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 whole um idea of like uh men being providers protectors of their family and like having to protect your land and all this other uh, bullshit and he was a um he, he was a personification of all this of all this masculinity and he was be, uh, being confronted with all these new age ideas which are all about um introducing yeah, femininity into right but that's not how he was raised it's no. sort of like you know and that's so destructive for men, too. It's sort of like men can't cry. Men can't be emotional. Yeah. And, oh, okay. So it's just in the Cold War ended in 91. So mm. it's 1947, 91. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. <laughs> like, again, I don't know history. Yeah, so it was like right in the middle of it then. Yeah, yeah. We still had a good decade to go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's so destructive for men to have been brought up with that because we've had this, we had the women's liberation where it's like, oh, women can be strong too, but we've never really given that to men where it's sort of like we encourage them to feel things and have yeah. emotions and cry. It's like nobody ever said a man can be soft. Right, and that's a huge problem. That's why we have incels. Mm. That's the problem here. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about the Hollywood incels club. I promise you, I'm sorry. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. Uh, Elon Musk is one of them, I, I swear. I have no idea what that is. That's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> Incels uh, involuntarily celibate. They're mad that women don't want to fuck them. Interesting. It's, yeah, you should Google it. I'm getting <laughs> off on a tangent again. This is this is what happens when you let me have a microphone. I talk about incels. Nice. <laughs> I will destroy them all. I should mention I have a beer as well. That's also a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I would call that a solution. Yeah. It's a solution to all our problems <laughs> and a problem to all of our solutions. <laughs> yep. Uh, but no, it is uh, destructive for men to be raised with that. And it's especially personified with John because he has like, he doesn't allow himself to feel, and, yeah. you know, given all these opportunities, as you mentioned, he just, try, you know, he even in his character, Man Mandro. Um, he, yeah, like, exactly. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I mean, his character's name Mandro, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a man, like man, it has man in it. And it's I like, know that I name know. is so masculine. If you Google yeah. Mandro, there's an actual, like men's health supplement. I think it's supposed to help with Are testosterone. You yes, I'm serious. It's called Mandro. I'm going to subscribe to that shit. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Mandro is super aggro. He's a, you know, he would be a super bro. Yeah. And uh, that's the, why he was like, no, Mandro doesn't believe in reincarnation and all this shit. He Mandro doesn't, doesn't believe in consensual <laughs> sex. <laughs> he doesn't believe in introspective ideas. He just, he doesn't think. He actually says that very line, I think, in the movie. He says, Mandrel doesn't think, he just acts. Yeah, and that's uh, kind of probably the person that he, that John wants to be. Yeah. Because, again, he is, you know, he pushes anything new agey away from him. And is, wouldn't that be, I mean, I don't know, do you think... Uh, do you think that he actually did it, or do you think that the movie that the storyline actually had a zombie hand walking around killing people? No, that hand would be really decomposed. Right. Literally. I mean, I want to see, like, if you're doing that, it has to be a skeleton hand by the end of the movie. Yeah. You know, uh, the way I looked at it was he's got all of this anger and so much self-loathing, and it manifests itself in this a delusion of the hand strangling mm. these people that he hates and killing them and, you know, getting back at them for whatever reasons. Right. right? right. But that's actually, we, we are, it's revealed that that actually is him that's doing all of the, uh, the strangling and killing these people in the end. Uh, 
Is it really revealed though, or it is? Is it insinuated? Because at the very the last scene of the movie, you actually see the hand strangling the psychologist. I do agree with that, except for the fact that he's made no progress. Mm. He's still. You can like look at Michael Caine, and he's still. A mis- he's still a miserable person. Yeah. He hasn't learned anything from his experience, all, you know. And she loosened the strap on his strangling hand. Yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. It was on the stump. Yeah. You loosened the strap on the stump. Yeah. So, you know, that's why I think it's just at the end of the movie, he's still the the same piece of shit that he was at the beginning of the movie, and he's just going to stay in this delusion until well, whenever. Yeah. Maybe they put him away for a murder. Maybe they execute him. Who knows. Yeah, they, that's one thing about the movie. It doesn't really have closure, does it? Mm-mm. It kind of leaves things open. Um, the uh, uh, so I, I watched the review uh, before before I watched the movie again, just so that I could uh, f- uh, find a few points to look at and everything. The uh, um, and talk about that the uh, uh, um, they didn't want to put that that ending in it. They wanted to have more of an open ending ending to it. And it's like they had a totally different ending that they the. The ending that it was where he strangles the, the psychologist, it was supposed to be totally different. What? How could it be more open? Well, um, I don't know. I don't know. And I guess it's it's more based on like what the, what the novel's about. I've never read, read the novel. Same. I can only and read so, so many books. Right. So but, it's... Yeah. So who knows? Who knows what the ending was, what, uh, what the idea that he had for the ending was. Hmm. It just wasn't what it was because uh, the producers actually said, no, we wanted to end this way. I don't think that's a bad idea because I think it's probably a good mix of you can make a lot of assumptions on your own, oh, which yeah. is fun. You know, well, that that's kind of. I mean, I think it, I think it was the ending itself was pretty good because everything everything up to the point of all the murders until where he's in, incarcerated or institutionalized um, leads up to the idea of him subconsciously murdering everybody. You know, it's like the whole black and white scenes. That's the only time that he sees his hands is when everything turns black and white. Mm-hmm. Him trying to find a find like fight against the hand um, uh, when he's in his garage at the end at the very end and mm-hmm. then um, yeah. uh, all these different scenes it's like it kind of leads up to it everything is telling you that he's just fucking crazy he just fucking went off the deep end you know what I mean he started killing everybody so um, at the, at the very end it's like they introduced the hand again it's like well was it really the yeah hand? that's what I like about it you yeah know? because from for a movie that is heavily telegraphed from yeah. the start and you know which way it's you know it's Michael Caine killing these people yeah it's uh it leaves it open to a lot of interpretation and there is a lot of nuance there which you know unfortunately like a lot of people write this off as a bad movie and I mean maybe it's it's not a perfect was, movie yeah it was it was actually really good the thing the the I think the uh, the so the uh, review that I watched before I watched the movie again um was actually they had, uh, they had mentioned that it came out around the same time as The, uh, as the Shining, hmm, okay. um, which it's pretty hard to go up against. Like another horror movie in the same, uh, around the same time that The Shining is coming out. Yeah, the that's, Shining was a, that's masterpiece. a juggernaut. Yeah. yeah, that is a masterpiece. It's perfect. Oh, man. Yeah, the, I mean, the way that it was shot and everything, it's like, because it's not exactly like the book. That's, no. yeah, the, yeah, Stephen King's favorite interpretation of The Shining is the miniseries, right. so. Mm. Which I'm like, yeah. I've never seen the miniseries. I saw some of it, but I was like, why is, I guess if it's f- closer to your original 
workmanship. I guess you would prefer that, but it's <laughs> yeah. Kubrick. Yeah. yeah, that that movie was genius. I mean, it's a it, it's one it's one of the movies I saw it when I was a kid. It's one of the movies that war that warped my imagination when I was young. Mm-hmm. It's part of the reason why I do my artwork the way that I do. You know what I mean? Because of the bear blowing that guy. <laughs> but the uh, the twins was was a big feature. Him dying in the maze um, and with all the snow and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it, it's a it's it's the psychological shit without all all the gore. And it's like if you ever look at my artwork, there's never I hardly ever paint anything that's like kind of gory itself. But there mm. but there's things that like. That are a little bit more psychological, which is kind of which is kind of what I really like about the hand too, is that it's all psychological ideas that are, um, y- you know, even when he's talking about when he's in the bar the first time hanging out with the with the teacher, and he's uh, saying, "Well, if I pass out, can I do like like stupid shit?" Oh yeah, his blackouts. Yeah, mm-hmm. his blackouts, and he's like, "Yeah, you could do like you could you could merge somebody." Yeah, if you blackout, and it's it's. It's kind of like like he's telling you exactly what what uh, uh, what John is doing um, during this whole time. And it's like you're blacking out and you're doing stupid shit, um, but you're kind of like associating associating it with your hand that's missing. That's true. Yeah, it's just another way to stop. Like it, to it's a it's just another way to avoid his feelings. Yeah, it's another way to run away from his anger at basically the world and his wife. Yeah. And she's not a prize either. I mean, <laughs> she's obviously fucking that yoga instructor. <laughs> she's not even being subtle about it. Yeah. yeah also, no, no mean, oh shit. You see, remember that the scene with the yoga class? I got to throw some shade on this. Oh, Everybody man. in that yoga class is doing different poses. I'm like, fuck you. You are the... <laughs> what yoga class is this? I saw that. Why? Why was, are they all doing different poses? Wasn't that the warrior pose or some shit? They were all doing... So I'm sure there was at least one warrior pose. Yeah. That, Probably warrior two. I don't word. remember. Yeah, so no. And what's like what's crazy is like there's... He's on the balcony watching all this shit happen. What yoga class has a balcony <laughs> where you can just watch it happen? Right. <laughs> right. And say, he's over here. No. Like he wraps his hand around her and he's all like like this. Yeah. And he kind of like uh, presses her presses her against his body. And it's like that doesn't that doesn't look like something a teacher would do. No. I mean you I've have never to been touch to a yoga well, you class. have to occasionally touch your students in order to make sure they're in the right positions because yeah. otherwise, you know, if you know you're not in the pose and in, in correctly, you can really hurt yourself. And I speak from experience because mm. I have hurt myself doing mm. yoga guys. So. I've never even tried. It's great. It's fantastic. But no, you, you know, that's that's why you have to have a teacher to, to make sure that you're in the position correctly and that you come out of it correctly. Because otherwise, yeah, you can hurt yourself because, you know, your body's not used to doing this. It sits down all day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that like, you know, and then uh, she's been plotting this whole time, his wife, to basically like stay to go back to New York with their daughter and stay there. And hopefully he would stay in Vermont and do his little comics or whatever. And she wants right. to work with this thing called the Origins Institute, yeah. which is like, I guess, like a new age institute of some sort because her yoga I instructor think got the, her I mean, the, the only thing that they talk about is yoga. You know, it's a, it's. I know. Where are the, the crystals? Or- where are the chakras? <laughs> right, right. It, yeah, it's like weird. It's like, how does a yoga class turn into an institute? That's weird. I don't know. I just like wanted her to say like, I'm going to be a Reiki instructor. I don't know. A Reiki. A re- <laughs> practitioner. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Close enough. Whatever. Close enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm level one. <laughs> it's fine. 
I can say shit. I can say shit. <laughs> and I'm an ordained minister, according to the internet. But I can marry people. Yeah, me too. Nice. Yeah, yeah. JD, know anybody needs to get married? We can help. Hell yeah! I'll I'll paint the portrait. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, and then she almost gets killed at the end, except like their daughter Lizzie busts in at the last moment. Oh yeah, that was a trip. That was that. Kind of, yeah, yeah, that was trippy. Yeah, that was kind of a trip because like it, it's like the whole thing, the whole scene leading up to that. He's uh, he's sitting, he's uh, laying down in his cot. It's like some cot I can imagine in the basement or some shit. And uh, um, while his wife is sleeping in the good bed upstairs and everything. And uh, um, all of a sudden, like, like you know, he hears her scream and he runs up upstairs. He's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I notice that he puts his hand, like his uh, prosthetic hand around her neck. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if you remember this. Um, it was kind of foreshadowing the same t- uh, uh, also when uh, he first got his prosthetic hand. But it was it was like some sort of technology where he, he pushes his hand out further. Uh-huh. And the further out he pushes his hand, the tighter the grip gets. Yeah. He's like, well, how strong is it? <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's pretty fucking strong. It's, like, it's made out of metal, right? It's like a machine. All you have to do is like pull your arm out and squeeze as, as tight as you can. It's, yeah, um, early and, 80s cyborg technology. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so as soon as he gets up there, he puts his right hand on her throat. And it's like, I fucking caught that. I was like, when his, uh, when his daughter comes in, Lizzie comes in, it's like, stop, you're hurting her. And it's like, oh, fuck. Then he pulls away. And it's like, it was kind of like for, it was kind of like foreshadowing. Uh, well, it was telling about the fact that he was actually the one doing it. it, mm. it he was hallucinating that it was the hand the whole time. Or maybe he was imagining it, like he yeah. was wishing that it would it wasn't him. Yeah. Again, yeah, he's trying to trying to run from everything. Yeah. You know? Like blaming it blaming it all on his subconscious, like saying, No, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. It was very much like Secret Window. Interesting. With uh Johnny Depp, where it's basically uh he keeps thinking that he's getting harassed by somebody who accused him of stealing a story. Hmm. And he's a writer. And then all these people keep dying from this, you know, from this person that is accusing him of, of the story theft. Yeah. But it turns out Johnny Depp killing all the people anyway. Nice. It's a great movie. I like it. Um, but yeah, it did definitely remind me of Secret Window a little bit. Secret um, Window. I got to watch that. You, you definitely should. That's why I dyed my hair blonde the first time because I wanted to look like a weird, psycho, crazy writer. So, <laughs> this is, well, you kind of are. I mean, I haven't written anything in a while. I mean, unless you count like unless uh, you count me as like a Twitter author, which is basically <laughs> the same as like being an Instagram model. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not, right? <laughs> eh. So, uh, yeah. So. Before we get around to the end of the movie, I have to bring up this thing that really bothered me. Do you remember the cat? Yeah. The fuck is wrong with that thing? Right. Well, I mean, that wasn't a normal cat. No, like, it's like church from fucking Pet cemetery. <laughs> like, what kind of a fucking cat just busts through a window? I know. Time? He just, this cat gets all freaked out because now, and my, and now John has like a... a was that just a stump or was it the, the prosthetic at that point? I don't even know. I mean, that, that scene kind of like, um, I, I wrote it, I, I wrote down in my notes about what was going on with that scene because I have no fucking idea. I can't make any connections with it. I mean, I think it was just kind of like, a, I, I, I honestly think that it was a scene just to set the mood. Yeah, but it's like this cat gets freaked out after, I guess, the accident. Yeah. And something about maybe John Zora because animals can sense things. It freaks out this cat so much, it dashes, it like jumps through a window. 
It was, I think it was trying to commit suicide. It was like, fuck it's this. Prob- it probably did. You don't see the cat the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, dude, if like, it's I think really the cat hard ate to the get. Hand. I honestly oh. think the cat ate the hand at some point. It's like, they don't show it. They don't talk about anything or anything. Like that, but I honestly think that the cat somehow ate, like, you know, it was traveling around because uh, he also finds his ring, his engine ring that he, uh, um, um, that was on his right hand when it was severed. And briefly, but then it disappears again. It disappears, but he finds like uh, um, after the accident, um, at some point, you know, is is it's already healed to a stump or whatever, and he's walking around the walking around the f- field, kind of aimlessly, kind of like, you know, like something fucked up happens out there. You walk around like in the place where it happened, try to get some closure, and suddenly, randomly, he kind of finds his ring, his engine ring. It's not even attached to a finger or anything. It's just mm-hmm. like laying there in the grass. It's like, I honestly think that his cat ate his hand, dude. <laughs> that, that That's a lot for a cat to eat. So it's like, I wonder, did he eat the, the hand and the ring and have to shit the ring out? And <laughs> no, well, if you think about it, like... Yeah, yeah I mean, there, probably, would there would probably while. be cat shit on the ring. Yeah, well, no, it would, it would take a while for his wrist to heal, too. Because after after his, his wrist is ser- severed, after his hand is severed, you see him in the hospital and the doctors are like, okay, try to move like this, try to move like that. And it's like, it's just fucking stump and he's like moving his wrist around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's all healed. Like all the skin is healed. Oh yeah, look, I know, right? I was yeah. like, really? It's all smooth like that? No. So, I mean, the cat had plenty of time to go back there. It's like, oh, this there's some yummy hand meat right here. <laughs> Let me go back and eat it. Yeah, I mean, that's my greatest fear is like, you know, dying and the night eats me. <laughs> Yeah, but actually all I could think of when they're looking for the hand is like when Lorena Bobbitt cut off her husband's penis and they were yeah. trying to look for it. That's all I could think for. Think of. <laughs> but well, they found I, that. And I honestly think that his hand is actually a metaphor for his penis the whole time. Because if you think about it, like mm. after his accident, like he's uh, he's laying in bed and everything and his wife is like trying to be comforting and everything, tries to hold this, hold this stump. Hey, you could have some fun with that stump, you know? I mean, she's had a kid. She's yeah. probably, she's, she could take it. Oh man, he's lo- he lost an opportunity. Oh right yeah, there. and yeah. I mean, but it's like, cause it's like, you still have like phantom limb syndrome going on a yeah, lot of times because those in the, yeah, because the, the nerves are all inflamed in the stump, right. you know? No, they totally talk about that. Like after, when they're in that scene where he's like, they tell him to move his wrist this way and that way, they talk about the phantom limb syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor tells him, no, you'll never get over it. You'll always feel like He's if your hands He's the least comforting are doctor, too. Oh, right. Isn't he has, he? like, no bedside manner. <laughs> it's like, no, you're fucked, dude. I guess at least he's honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean like, there is that. Yeah, I mean, you could still probably feel parts of her vagina, but <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is what po- like I you've probably you I don't think you've listened to any of our other episodes. We're on Stitchers I've, and iTunes, guys. Yeah, I followed your podcast, but I'm sorry. I have, yeah, I this is this is how the podcast works. It's okay. yeah, it's very ribald. <laughs> but yeah, no, he totally he totally lost an opportunity there. I mean, it's like come on, it, it's like you, your arm, your hand, all of a sudden becomes a dildo. Yeah, I yeah. know, and it's like, dude, it's girthy as fuck. <laughs> it's like, like you get your rocks off, then get hers off. You know I know, what I mean? right? And, and it's just like he's and got another still- hand; he can jerk it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're still involved. I mean, that's what's important. I'm right? just so. Con- I'm just. I'm just thinking of ways to save their marriage. I'm just and thinking then, of how this could. This could have gone perfectly well, that's, fine that's instead of going horribly wrong. I know. That's the whole tragedy of the movie. Is that it was it wasn't so and much. And she does yoga. Yeah, I'm I mean sorry. she should be into it. 
right? <laughs> yeah. But that, that's that's kind of like the whole tragedy of the whole of the whole thing is that he never looked at it as a way uh, as a as, as an positive. opportunity to like change. You know what I mean? It's like when when uh, David came by and he was like starting to do and all he had to do is say like you know what, fuck it. I'm still part of this character. I'm still going to get my cut. You know what I mean? I, I, my life is set. I'm going to be getting a paycheck from from this guy's work for the rest of my life. Exactly. And, you know, he could, like, spend whatever time he wanted, like, practicing with his left hand. He could have become a fine arts painter. You know, do abstract work or some shit with his left hand. He could have gone to teach, like he yeah. ended up doing anyway, and still wrote the continuity for Mandro. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and I don't know. It's like there's so many, that's kind of, I think that's actually the biggest part that uh, that affected me is the fact that he um, he he didn't adapt to the situation. He kind of like looked at the loss and reveled in the loss, wallowed in the in the whole mm-hmm. self misery thing. Oh yeah, and uh, because he really went in downward spiral, and I think that's what actually caused him to subconsciously subconsciously sub- subconsciously start killing people. Because yeah. uh, like the first thing, the first time that he killed somebody was when when he left that uh, uh, that meeting with his editor and the other artists. Yeah, because it's all sort of like threats to his way of living, his yeah. way of existence, his idea, like right. everything that he's built. It's like this is the way life is supposed to be. This is the way that a man is supposed to be. Um, everything was like like this guy is like no trying to bring it on to the new age and it's like trying to destroy his world. Basically, everything that he built. Yeah, I mean it's a good lesson. It's, you know, and again, uh, some people have panned this as a bad movie. Uh, Some bad movie podcasts out there (laughs) have a feature on their show. I think it's just very nuanced, and I think it's, uh, there's a lot going on in it. It's not a perfect movie, but I I thought it was enjoyable enough that I had a, you know, that... uh, I had an enriched, like my my experience watching it was was better than a lot of movies I've seen out there, especially uh, during its time. Yeah, I also like you know the cinematography again because you know eighty one we're still transitioning from the seventies cinematography look to the way the eighties movies would look, so yeah. it still looks like the seventies. Yeah, uh, but I you know I definitely recommend it. I'm I'm gonna say yes, yes is a recommend. Oh, absolutely. I mean it's a. Um, I would I would take a look at it as a, more of a psychological type of thriller thriller not exactly like there's not a, straight up horror they have a few attempts at jump at jump scares and shit like that but it's like like you a know, cat jumping out a window it, it was kind of like obligatory you know what I mean it wasn't it wasn't necessarily something like a, a feature of the movie itself but um, especially if you're if you're an artist or if you have some sort of talent that relies like uh, I spoke with a friend of mine who's actually uh, uh, does a lot of uh, computer coding and uh, she actually has a lot of like like shoulder problems and everything and it's like if her if her hand gives out on, on any certain day she can't work oh uh, yeah like yeah. yeah I've I can relate to that because I have a shoulder slash neck injury mm. that I sustained like years ago and when I was working at a tea shop called Tivana, which no longer exists because Starbucks bought it. <laughs> we would do the same repetitive motions all the time. And now I'm still doing repetitive motions, you know, doing data entry. But when it first started up, I was terrified because I would lose feeling on one side of my body. Yeah. I couldn't even hold a tea tray made of plastic that weighed less than a pound. Like wow. I couldn't hold it at all. 
And so I was like, this, there goes my way of life. There goes my way of earning a living, supporting myself. And I can't, you know. I think that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest uh, 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 place where this movie hits. I mean, you know, not everybody's an artist. Not everybody uh, types for a living or anything like that. But let's say that you dig ditches or, uh, you know, you're a surgeon or some shit. Um, it's, It's like... There's always something that you rely on, a part of yourself, um, as a for for your way of living. That um, um, if you lose that, you know you're fucked. <laughs> and this yeah. is kind of what that movie kind of talks about a lot. It's like, I mean, this guy was fucked from from the very beginning, and he just kind of like went on a downward spiral instead of trying to um, trying to adapt to a new situation or whatever. It just, just yeah. kept going downhill. True story. Happens to everybody. I mean, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are you doing lately? What am I doing? Like, yeah, like, what, are you, what? Yeah, what have you got going on art-wise? Um, you got well, any shows coming up that we can come see you at? I've got. I actually have two shows coming up in uh, New York City. Um, which Shout is, out to our New York listeners. Yeah. Maybe if we have any. <laughs> um, so there's one in the coffee shop in the and and the and the Brooklyn where I'm where I'm showing that. Don't remember the name of it, but it's a, it's in it's in Brooklyn. It's going to be in May. I'm going to post it all over my Facebook page. Uh, um, there's also another one coming up in a um, in a church in a, um, just down the street from the Sheen Center in Manhattan of New York. Ah, it's fancy. Yeah, it's, uh, that one's that one's a big one. Um, and uh, besides that, I mean, I'm just painting all the time. Um, if you want to see my artwork, um, John DeLeon, um, Facebook. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm also at a website, DeLeonFineArts.com. Uh, if you want to see my work, I do a lot of portraiture, plain, uh, plain air painting. Um, I do some uh, some fantasy, some kind of like horror artwork, but it's not really it's not really the gory shit. I'm not into all this like blood and guts, all this uh, sort of vulgar bullshit. Uh, I mean, it's all fun and everything, but like I try to I try to touch people on a more psychological level. Yeah, uh, kind of like the kind of like the hand does. <laughs> you know, uh, there's like I think there's only one really bloody scene, and it's when his hand gets chopped off. That's true. Um, you have an Instagram, right? What is that? Yeah, uh, is that pretty much under John DeLeon as well? John DeLeon as well. Um, there's uh, uh, also uh, DeLeon Fine Arts, um, at DeLeon Fine Arts, which is a... Uh, uh, oh, your Twitter handle. That's right. You have a Twitter yeah. now. I forgot. Yeah. Ah. Speaking of which, uh, Sheebie is also on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, too. And now we have all these fucking episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Or, you know, if you don't want to do either one of those, you can just go to podcast.com, search for us there. Uh, But until next week, stay creepy, you guys. Thank you for coming on, John. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Mm -hmm.